Yes, indeed, there are more questions and answers. Like in Britain, we drive on the left of the road, whereas in Minnesota, you drive on what's left of the road. Hi, America. Hello, world. (laughs) It's true. I like the snow in Minnesota. It fills in all the potholes. My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions and Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations. She does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather asked her pastor this week if it was okay to tell jokes about Jesus Christ and he said only if you nail it. Welcome to the show, Heather. That was a terrible joke. Controversial. Jokes about religion that early in the show. Very controversial. (laughs) It'll be jokes about mental illness next, no doubt. Hola. We also have with us the analytical (laughs) and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. When Kim told a therapist this week that she had an imaginary dog, he said, well, at least you don't go around picking up the dog mess in the streets. So, Kim has stopped doing that now. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. See, I told I you. It. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. The Kim told her therapist she had an imaginary dog, and the therapist said, well, you don't need to go around picking up the dog mess now. So, she's now stopped doing it. No? No. <laughs> <sighs> I told you there would be a joke about mental illness. 
Draw your own conclusions, <laughs> listeners. And finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Greg decided this week to try and sail around the world in the smallest ship. But in the end, he bottled it. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> That's terrible, too. Series 2, episode 29. 29 is a very interesting number, actually. You'd think 29 didn't, wouldn't have much associated with it, but in actual fact, it has many wondrous things associated with it. 29 is the atomic number, as we all know, of copper. Nope, didn't know. Okay, 29 is very close to a lunar month. That's the closest number of days to a lunar month. I would think you would know that. Nope, didn't know. Okay, so you're, if you had a test at school on solely the number 29... I'd be failing. You'd be getting 29 out of 100, I suspect. <laughs> Saturn requires 29 years to orbit the sun. Imagine waiting 29 years between each New Year's party. Do you think there'd be a population spike after 29 years? Do you know how many people are conceived around New Year's Eve? Due no to the idea. celebrations. If you had to wait 29 years between each New Year's party, if you lived on Saturn... There'd be a population spike, wouldn't you? I'm guessing that if your, fa- if your family or your parents got together and had a really good New Year's Eve birthday party and kind of, you know, did the physical arts and practiced that, you'd be born in around October, November, wouldn't you? I'm just saying. When's your birthday, Heather? I don't know. You don't know anything, do you? You don't know your birthday. You don't get the jokes. You've no idea about anything to do with 29. I'm not even here. You're not leaving this classroom until that pencil's found. The bell's for me. It's not for you. Sorry, I was regressing there to being a school teacher. My apologies. I believe your birthday's at the end of uh, beginning of November. Yes. Okay, so your parents were practicing the physical arts somewhere on New Year's Eve. I- I'm guessing maybe, I don't know. Back Dairy in- Queen? Dairy Queen would be the way to go, just to keep it in the family, wouldn't it? That would be- <laughs> Was that around back then? Do you think she gave him a peanut buster parfait? <laughs> Kim, when's your birthday? End, <laughs> End of, of October. October. There we go. Greg, when are you? October as well. Fabulous. <laughs> so I'm guessing I was a summer holiday. I was born in April, so my parents had a really successful summer holiday. I believe in Innsbruck in Austria. In the summer of 1969. In the summer of 69, someone should write a song about that. But it was a camping holiday. Here's a warning to all of our listeners. Fresh air, hiking and camping. Don't do it. Don't do it. Unless you take precautions, of course, and get a a tent where the flaps zip up. Because you don't want any issues. But I would suggest, my parents tell me regularly, they take glee in the fact that a camping holiday caused my creation in Innsbruck. (laughs) My dad used to say to me when I got into trouble, damn those camping holidays. I thought he said campanologists. I thought he had a fear and a, you know, a hatred of bell ringers. I did, couldn't make the connection. <laughs> if you're on your passport, it said where you was conceived rather than where you was born. On my passport, it says Dagenham, which is in East London. That's where I was born. But in some Asian countries, it is where you're conceived. So if I was Asian, I'd be Austrian. I went back to Innsbruck in 1986, but I didn't recognise anything. But then, to be fair, I didn't get out first time very much, do you know, is what I'm saying. It would be even better if it actually said on your passport where you was conceived in detail. It could be like the cinema. Laboratory, South Dakota. There we go. Petri dish. (laughs) Plymouth Duster. Who knows? I'm just saying this is where we are. 29. 29 years in a Saturn solar year. So when those 29 years are up, there's a big celebration 
for their New Year's party. There's 29 letters in the Turkish, Finnish, Swedish, Danish and Norwegian alphabets, making Scandinavian crosswords devilishly difficult. Do you know Norwegian prostitutes are called fjord escorts? Oh, that's I'm on fire. (laughs) 29 Palms is a town in California. Have you heard of that? Nope. Robert Plant sang a song called 29 Palms. You've never heard of that? Nope. That's not 28 Arabs and a convicted shoplifter, by the way. (laughs) We are Series 2, Episode 29. If we're still on air by the end of this, who knows if we'll get to 30 next week i do want to draw our listeners attention to various things i mentioned last week we had a very funny clip when we finish the show at the top of the hour we're going out live on dark matter radio and at the end of the hour when our show finishes we actually carry on in the studio for another 20 to 25 minutes doing a round called not for your mother this is a round that you can't read out live on air for fear of being fined or removed from the air even So we have this extra that you can listen to on our archived podcast. If you go to soundcloud.com, if you type in MQTA radio, you will find all our archives and you will get an extra 20 minutes or 25 minutes of the stuff that we couldn't read out live on air. We mentioned this last week. We now have a clip. There's a six minute clip that we've now posted to YouTube. And it's the funniest six minutes of my life. If you go on YouTube, if you type in more questions and answers and you type in Adrian Lee, we did a story. Again, this is very adult content, but we did a story where we laughed so hard a small amount of we came out. And that <laughs> was just for yourself. that was just Heather. No, that was a large amount of we came out. <laughs> You've had two children. I know how it works. So if people wish to go to YouTube, I will direct them to that. I guarantee that if you do not laugh hysterically. We'll give you your money back. And heartily. (laughs) That was Heather that said that, by the way, not me. If you don't laugh at that clip, you're clinically dead and you need to go and see a doctor straight away. That is the funniest, most hilarious six minutes of my entire life other than my honeymoon, and that was twice and with a cigarette break. So (laughs) if you go to YouTube, more questions than answers, Adrian Lee, you will find the funniest six minutes of your life. And what we're going to do progressively over the course of the next few months is we're going to take outtakes and things that go wrong after the show's gone out live, and we will post them on this. If people wish to join that channel, they can listen to those clips. That will cheer your day up. You will walk away from your laptop with a large smile. I also want to mention, I've just finished, I was asked to do a guidebook. There's a very, very haunted building called the Christie House. It's in Long Prairie, plumb in the middle of Minnesota. It's one of the most haunted buildings I've ever investigated in anywhere in the world. We had so much go on in the week we were there. It was like an episode of Scooby-Doo. We were running from one room to the other. You know, we'd run into the kitchen because all of my trigger objects would be thrown around, like poltergeist activity. We had all that on camera. As we were in there reviewing the footage of the poltergeist activity, all the lights go on in the parlour. So we run into the parlour. Then we hear a banging noise coming from upstairs. So we're running up. Imagine we're all on drugs and it's a giant game of Clue. That will give you an idea. It's a cross between Clue. We weren't actually on drugs. (laughs) Scooby-Doo and amphetamines is where we are. So, again, I've got a guidebook. One of the reasons they allowed my team, the International Paranormal Society, to investigate in this building was I said to them, I will write a guidebook of all my findings and all the history of this building, and I will make that available, and all the proceeds from that book will go to the non-profit organisation that is the Christie Home 
Historical Society. And that book's gone off to the publisher. It will be printed in the next couple of weeks. If people look out for that, it's a very small guidebook, a novella, but it's crammed full of the most amazing photographs. You took an amazing photograph, Heather, of a ghost in a mm-hmm. mirror, the gentleman's yeah. face, one of the most incredible pieces of evidence of paranormal activity in a photograph I have ever seen anywhere just astounding and using a full spectrum camera i took a picture of a misty apparition appearing in the stairwell this book is crammed full of all of our evidence all of the history of the christie house and it's a very creepy building dr christie who was the doctor the local village doctor lived there from 1901 he built the property to when he died he used to do operations on the kitchen table so this kitchen is madly, madly haunted. I've never seen so much activity in one place in such a short period of time. So if people look out for that, it's going to be out in the next couple of weeks. I want to give it a plug because proceeds from that book are going to the Christie House Historical Society, a non-profit organization, to try and keep these old buildings open, to try and keep them running. It's very difficult if you've got an antediluvian building, if suddenly you need a new roof or you need new heating system, and it's a non-profit organisation. So we thought we'd help out. So any money from that book is going to go towards the non-profit organisation, and people can purchase that. It will be out in the next couple of weeks. I'm actually going to do a book signing. If you're around Long Prairie on the 10th of October, I will be in the VFW signing books. I'll also be doing psychic readings. If you want to come along and say hello, you're more than welcome to do so. And then we're going to do a torchlight tour of the building and i'm going to talk about all the ghosts so if you're interested in that you can go to their website it's the christie house or the christie home historical society and it's all there for you so i just wanted to make a note and tell you about all the fabulous things we've got coming up there is a show to be had we are running into the round that is ghosts and hauntings with our flashlight in one hand and our k2 meter in the other I have a story here that says watch poltergeist terrorize woman in her own home by swinging lampshade and hurling saucepans onto the floor. A woman claims she is being terrorized by a ghost and will be forced to move home and she says she can prove it. Eerie footage shows cupboards being slammed shut and a light fitting swinging wildly as the poltergeist wreaks havoc. Ashy Murphy of Cork Island said it's getting worse. I definitely have to move house. The spooky clip has been viewed by 4 million people on Facebook. Despite her claims, some people believe it is a hoax and say a fishing line being operated through an open window is behind the things that go bump in the night. One person wrote, you can clearly see the wire being pulled at 1 minute and 5 seconds. So if people wish to see that piece of footage, it is available. All of our stories for tonight are on our Facebook wall, so come and join us. It's more questions than answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, and you can actually see that video footage, and you can decide for yourself whether that is poltergeist activity or whether it is, in fact, a hoax. So here's a question for you. How many poltergeists does it take to change a light bulb? Any ideas? Mm-mm. It's three. One to unscrew it and drop it on the floor, one to put a new one in, and one to move a few more things around the house just for good measure. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and hauntings. I have a road repair crew that accidentally buries a drunken man in India. Accidentally buries? I was going to stop Minnesota then, repairing the roads. With the potholes. Oh, Guess no. Guess how they fill their potholes in India. They're not filling potholes with dead bodies, surely. Well, a road construction worker or workers in central India killed a man when they accidentally buried him in a pit while repairing a road. Oh, no. I know. 
The road repair crew failed to notice that a drunken man had fallen into a crater on the side of the road in Slimanabad. <laughs> That'll do. Working in the evening, the workers dumped gravel and an asphalt mixture into the pit, burying the man before using a large roller to smoothen the road. Ooh. Yeah, I know. This is like one of those bad cartoons, right? That's a great horror story, though, isn't it? Haunted yeah. highways where the dead are filling in the potholes. <laughs> I want to make that TV show. Iowa needs some filling. <laughs> this is true. And there are a lot of people in Iowa that could do that job. That's right. The death actually was discovered when villagers noticed that a part of the man's hand was visible in the room. Oh, no. <laughs> and the police dug out his body on Monday. At least his <laughs> ass wasn't visible. People could have parked a bicycle. Oh, no. The man was in his mid-30s, and he had gone to the village fair and later stopped at a liquor store. He was heading home when he fell into the pit and lost consciousness. Wow. <laughs> Just uh, like poison, he's back on the road again. Uh, two workers of the road repair crew were arrested and have been charged with homicide, apparently for not noticing the guy that fell in the crater. I like the idea that his head's just showing and they paint a white line across the top of it. And the last sentence of the story says, poorly maintained roads with large potholes are common in India, so don't get drunk and fall into a crater. There you go. That would be You're my You're going to die. I have to say, I've, I have lived in India. I've lived on the southwest coast of India. And one of the scariest experiences of my entire life was being on the road. They're maniacs. They don't oh, have... I've seen videos of I know. That. They don't have any sense... In Britain, we'd call it an MOT, where once a year, if your vehicle's more than three years old, the MOT stands for Ministry of Transport. It's a Ministry of Transport test. Every year, you have to pay a mechanic in your village to look at your car he will sign a certificate to say that it's roadworthy they check the emissions the tires they check the indicators <laughs> the blinkers they will check everything if your car doesn't pass you don't get insurance or road tax so you have to keep your vehicle up to date i don't believe that's anything you do in this country is it just the emissions isn't it mm -hmm. so in britain it. every year you have to take your car to be looked at if it's more than three years old in India, they have nothing like that. There's cars without doors on them. None of them have headlights. I, isn't, that, isn't that some of the places where they just hang on the side of the car and they drive down the road? Yes, there's a chicken driving. I swear <laughs> to God. I've seen dogs. You've been watching the Muppets again. <laughs> this is true. Cancel. It's very, very true. It's a terrible thing. You've got a dog driving a car and it sees a cat and it's off and there's all kinds of problems. There's dogs chasing cats in cars in India, I tell you. But there's no headlights. I've been on buses in India. And the cars, you can hear them whizzing by you and you can feel the wind of it, but you can't see them because they don't have headlights. I've watched Top Gear. I've seen them drive in India at night. Yes. <laughs> People say to me, do you drive on the left or the right in India? And you just say, there is no right or left. You just drive wherever you want. There's cars going everywhere. There's cows. <laughs> cows are sacred animals and they can wander wherever they want. You know, I was in a market and there's a cow walking through smoking a cigarette going wherever it wants. They're mugging old ladies and taking wallets. It's terrible to do. But ultimately, there's cows wandering around. There's cows being hit by cars. There's people falling off. I witnessed three major road crashes while I was travelling around India on buses and trains. It was remarkable that there's such a lack of, of uh, emphasis placed on life. It's, it's amazing. And the roads are madness. It's absolute well, madness. Well, they're repairing the roads. I just did the story. It's like Mad Max, I tell you. Ugh. That's yeah. terrible. Just there must be a, a hand creeping out of them. There's a little hand. Imagine if you're taking your dog for a walk and you just place the lead on the hand while you go off and get a hot dog or something. 
that would be the way to go. A Imagine hand. you taking your dog for a walk and the dog nibbling on a finger that was protruding from the road. Would that be a hand mine? hilarious good time had by all you shall get points for being informative and relatively funny i have a story that says king richard iii's ghost caught on a camera peering up from paving slabs at leicester cathedral is this proof that richard iii haunts leicester cathedral these ghostly images must just show the monarch's face in the cathedral stone slabs they were snapped by medium and psychic artist christine hamlet 58 from northwich cheshire who believes she felt richard's presence in the cathedral was it christmas Richard's presence. <laughs> I felt Richard's presence. He's got Buckaroo, Kaplunk, G.I. Joe. And some dominoes. There you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrible. I have felt his presence. <laughs> he has Buckaroo. When you do a Darth Vader impression, you've got to go for the throwaway lines. It's no good going, I am your father. Because everyone does that. You've got to go for the more throwaway lines. So it's got to be... Prepare the escape pod. That's where you have to be. Does Darth Vader say that? He does. Yes, he does. He does, yes. Does he? Thank you. Prepare the escape pod. He doesn't say much, to be fair, but that's one of the things he does. All right. Yes, we're going to go with that. <laughs> so Richard's presence have been felt in the cathedral. We know exactly what he's going to be getting. For Christmas. For Christmas. <laughs> Hurrah! Richard, who has often been vilified in history, was reinterred in the cathedral on the 26th of March, 2015, after his remains were discovered in 2012. The reason I'm laughing is because his remains were found in a car park if so i'm just wondering <laughs> nice. if he, yeah this is he the came, same company who knew he came from india <laughs> richard singh the third who knew christine who visited the cathedral as a tourist on monday said i felt totally calm inside the cathedral i could feel a calming presence and i think i think it may have been richard i always take pictures and send out my thoughts when i visit places and when i look back at the pictures of the slabs afterwards i was stunned i saw richard's face staring back at me there must be a joke in there involving in a shortening of the name richard but I won't obviously go there, but I will ring the inappropriate <laughs> bell for thinking it. I felt drawn to Richard for quite some time. So it was a real privilege to visit. You see what I did there? Yeah, I do. I, I am aware this is going out live at an inappropriate time in the late afternoon. I did feel a bit strange. I'm used to reaching out to spirits, but I felt weirdly reassured. It was very unusual. As soon as I arrived, I felt a calming, authoritative presence. And I was struck by how small the cathedral is on the inside. How small the cathedral is on the inside. The word cathedral is used as a noun for describing things that are cavernous. It was cathedral-sized. That's the opposite of a TARDIS, isn't it? That, I was thinking that. It's smaller on the inside than it is on the outside. Doesn't make any sense. That's like Kirsty Alley eating a slider. Oh. I feel a bit strange, she said. I'm used to reaching out to spirits. There's no doubt that Richard's tomb takes pride of place. The much maligned king had a rough time in the history books, but has enjoyed a bit of a revival since his remains were discovered three years ago. Christine believes that the spirit she felt in the cathedral was calm, content and finally at peace. A car park is no place for a king to be buried. But there was a peace for Laura. By the way, I will say that during the medieval period, that wasn't a car park. Just for our it listeners. Wasn't? No, that, that came after the event. So when it says he was buried in a car park, the King of England didn't die 
And everyone said, oh, look, there's a car park. Let's bury the King of England in a car park. I just want to emphasize that after the medieval period... What are you suggesting, that we can't figure that out? All I'm saying is that when I used to lecture in Cologne in Germany, Cologne has an amazing 11th, 12th century cathedral that just plunges itself into Mother Nature with just one mass of buttresses, counterfoils and gargoyles. If you get a chance to look at Cologne Cathedral, it's amazing. It's right next to the railway station. And an American tourist, and I am aware of my audience, and I am aware of the people sitting around this table, I have to say that an American tourist stood next to me and said, fancy building a cathedral next to the railway station. (laughs) (laughs) And that, I swear, is the God's honest truth. So I thought I'd make the point that they didn't say, there's the car park, let's bury Richard III, there's an empty space. (laughs) V5. If those of you have watched Planes, Trains and Automobiles was the empty space in the car park that Steve Martin was looking for. But a car park is no place for a king to be buried. But there was a peaceful aura around his tomb. It was as if his spirit appreciated being in a fit and proper place. I believe it was a monastery, actually. He was buried in a monastery and the monastery then got demolished. The car park was built later. I'm guessing it got demolished during the Reformation. If they found him, would you not assume that there would be other people around him as well? So would you think that there's more people underneath that car park? I'm not sure of that. I don't know whether the king gets pride of place in a monastery or whether they would bury, you know, Jack Smith and Arthur Jones and other people around him, I'm guessing. I've absolutely no idea. We shall have to look into that. We had the Reformation in Britain, of course, where Henry VIII decided he didn't want to be part of the Catholic Church anymore and we burnt all our Catholics. There's a conversation about that at some point in the future, Mm. but not now. I know that, and I am sympathetic. I think he felt that way too, because he didn't want to have a bad press. He wasn't that bad a king. I invite the spirits to reveal themselves to me and take the photographs, but if my friends call me, the psychic paparazzi. When I look at the photo on my computer, I lighten and darken the photographs. Sometimes I look for a ghost app on my iPhone, and that can reveal spirits too. Yes, it can, especially if you put a button on there that says insert ghost. Yeah, I made that last bit up. I just thought that would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for making that point. It's pure fiction. I have no nothing to back that up. That's I just terrible. made that up. You had me going. <laughs> I know. She claims previous photos she has taken show two princes in the tower. Do you remember last week or two weeks ago yes. we had the two princes in the tower? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It seems very odd to me that this woman is going around taking all these amazing ghost photographs. I just wonder what kind of software she's got going on. That's all I'm saying. Element. I element of doubt she also claims that there was a white swirling mist around the tomb but i don't believe this as he was an (laughs) (laughs) anti-smoking i love this show this show's fabulous if people i've no idea i can't (laughs) tell you if people wish to see the photograph of richard iii hovering above the tomb on the paving stones of leicester cathedral they can go to my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings i have a dead woman waking up screaming at a funeral home again you keep telling me stories of people that are waking up in their coffins i'm petrified Part of the reason I want to do this story is because I was going to bring up the question. I wonder if anybody's ever done a study on how many of these there are. I would think that happens somewhere. The thing is, they're global. They're all over the world. Mm -hmm. So if you did that study, you'd have to be prepared to look at documentation from all over the world. Whereabouts was this? Uh, This one is in Germany. I was going to say most of them are in third world countries. 
<laughs> Controversial. <laughs> a doctor in Germany has been charged with negligent bodily harm for declaring a 92-year-old woman dead when she actually wasn't. Snoring. The doctor allegedly pronounced the woman dead after a caregiver found her without a pulse. She was also not breathing. However, a worker at the funeral home where she was taken suddenly heard a loud scream from the refrigeration room and discovered the woman alive. Now, you've heard this sentence before, too. Then two days later, prosecutors say she officially died in a hospital from heart disease. Wow. If convicted, the 53-year-old doctor could face anything from a fine to prison time. That's unusual. I don't know what the laws are if you misdiagnose someone as being dead. Perhaps doctors should make sure the job's done properly and beat you over the head with a baseball bat just so there's no claims afterwards. Will doctors not be reluctant to then say people are dead if at any point in the future they can come back and be sued? If I then said this person's dead, I'd want to make sure they're dead. I'd flush them down the toilet or something. Do you know what I mean? Like a goldfish. Yes. Maybe wanna... they should have a waiting room when you die, and you wait in that room for like three days to see if you revive yourself. Wow. There's a horror story to be had there as well. We were going to write a horror story called The Waiting Room. Yes. When you wake up and there's all the dead bodies around you. It's like the film Coma. Do you remember that? Yes. I can't remember I don't wrote remember that, that. Really? That scared Mm-mm. me one Christmas. It was a film over Christmas. Obviously, Christmas Entertainment in Britain is watching the film Coma. But that was a very good book at the time. I remember seeing that, and it was quite scary. But a similar kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. There's normally, though, a time, isn't there? When you're dead, and I'm talking about Western European countries now, but when you're dead, they don't instantly bury you. In some of the Arab countries and some Muslim cultures, you're almost buried the same afternoon. Do you see what I mean? Oh. But ultimately, that's partly down to the fact that they don't have refrigeration and it's 100 degrees and you're in the desert. So that makes sense, right? But in Western European countries, how long is it normally between you dying and then being buried? I mean, it's got to be at least a week to two weeks, isn't it, in that ballpark? Or are we, am I getting confused? No. I think it's about a week, isn't it? Typical, well, not even a week. Right, like within five days, sometimes around Five here. working days. Three to, three to five days. So, I mean, you already yeah. have a period of grace there, don't you? Do you see what I'm saying? So I'm surprised that you, you are laid out in a morgue, aren't you? Or you're laid out in wake or you're at the undertakers. Do you see what I'm saying? I think they start the embalming almost right away, though, don't they? I think you'd wake up yeah. if someone pushed something up your nose, surely. Didn't work for you. I've been pushing nothing up my nose (laughs) since that crown got wedged up there when I was five years old and I had to go to the doctors and get it removed. (laughs) I did cough really hard last week when I was laughing at our jokes and a piece of Lego came out of my lungs. I think I probably swallowed that (laughs) in 74. I've had a a piece of Lego, one of those four square bricks of Lego rattling up and down my trachea every time I've laughed for the last 35 years and that finally came out. Well, that's good then. Yeah, and I found Barbie's shoe and a small model of the Millennium Falcon, so I must have been chewing a lot and pushing a lot up my nose when I was a kid is all I'm saying. We'll ask your mother as soon as we wake her up from snoring. No, she's she's next door. She's (laughs) she's she gets in a she gets in a terrible mood. Don't uh, do it. Don't wake up my mother. (laughs) It's like messing with my granddad after he's had a drink. Oh, you learn the hard way, I guess. That comes to the end of the round. That is ghosts and hauntings, and we are all tied in the lead on two resplendent points. It looks like a row of ducks making their way along a lake. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's hairy beasties and it's green men. I will start tonight's stories in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology by a story that says haunting footage shows UFO floating like a diamond in the night sky over Merseyside. 
The strange light was seen hovering in the night sky above Merseyside. The mystery diamond-shaped object pulsated, getting brighter and bigger, and then faded, only to reappear again. The Beatles were from Liverpool, and they wrote a song, didn't they, called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. People think it was a shortening of LSD, if you recall. It was spotted over the sky in Merseyside at around 4.45am. Matthew Oliver, who filmed the curious phenomenon, said, It caught my eye as it was shining very brightly through my bedroom window. And as I watched, it began to gradually dim, then slowly increase again in intensity, as if it was on a dimmer switch. It was also incredibly large in size and a lot larger than any star I have ever seen. I grabbed my camera and went upstairs into my office and began filming out of my attic window. Much to my surprise, as I zoomed in on the unknown object, I noticed that it wasn't circular at all, but diamond-shaped, and it seemed to be pulsating in the centre. In the video, a woman in the background exclaims, It's not a star, or at least I don't think it is. It's the strangest star I have ever seen. If people wish to see this footage, they are welcome to do so. They need to go to my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories are there for you to peruse in fabulous Technicolor. Kim was unhappy last year on her wedding anniversary when she asked Greg to get her something with diamonds in. Do you still have that pack of cards? (laughs) (laughs) Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I got a UFO. Hooray. I have an Indianapolis witness that says a silent disc UFO was close. Close. Was close. But no cigar. No cigar. Just like Monica Lewinsky. Oh. An Indiana witness at Indianapolis reported having a peaceful feeling just prior to observing a silent disc-shaped object only a couple of hundred feet away, according to testimony in case 70607 from the Mutual UFO Network or MUFON, a witness reporting database. The witness was outside about 12.45 a.m. Now, if you say about 12.45... That's what they said, about. It's not about, is it? It is 12.45. It was around 12.45. So it could have been 12.40 to 12.50. Somewhere in there, yeah. But they went for 12.45. Yeah, that's if what If it was think. about 12.45, was it 10 seconds Does it after? matter? Oh, no, it doesn't. I'll, I'll <laughs> that's a, when the object was supposedly seen. Somewhere around 12.45. Okay, I'm letting you get on with it. I just want specifics. I'm detail-orientated. I'm a historian. Don't make me come over there, Mr. I'll only be interested in you when you're dead. Ooh. I was smoking a cigarette outside and got an urge to look up. One of those herbal cigarettes. Apparently, I stand up and look straight up. I get a very calm feeling. Oh, yeah, the strange cigarettes, right? Yes, he gets a very calm feeling. For no reason, and even begins smiling, feeling very peaceful and even euphoric. He's yeah, not, he's one not of those that strange... 1.45, he had munchies. <laughs> he's <laughs> not a Richard right. III's tomb, is he, by any chance? It could be. But then the witness studied the sky above him. The witness reported that the object was just a couple of hundred feet away. Suddenly, a yellowish-green disc light appears in front of me, stationary, and then flies directly over me until it became out of sight behind the top of the house. Yeah, man, I love all that, me. Yeah, I love all that green lights and that. Yeah, I love all that, me. Yeah, it was a wacky cigarette, wasn't it? I turned around to Keith right on the third album, and I said, like, I love all that, me. You know, I love all that. Are you having a stroke? Yeah, I was just, you know, okay. if you let me. <laughs> have you're a gonna, stroke? You're going to have to get closer, though. Oh. My arms ain't that long. <laughs> 
The witness was struck by how close the unknown object was. It was probably only a couple hundred feet away. It made no noise. The witness decided to file a report. The report went to MUFON, and it was awesome and amazing, and I can't stop thinking about it. Was it was awesome, man. And, really and he can't amazing. stop thinking about it. I used to do that impression many years ago when I read out UFO stories. I of know, a kind of MUFON Mick. MUFON Mick. <laughs> That's right. MUFON wrote to me and said, can you please stop doing MUFON Mick? Everyone will think we're 60 to 70-year-old Vietnam vets that have smoked too much drugs. And I'm like, and? <laughs> I've been to MUFON meetings. I halved the age of the entire meeting just by turning up down to 86. I think we lost two people during the lecture, to be honest. Oh. I've never seen so many oxygen cylinders. They're very good people. If people wish to go, the new Brighton Centre, second Saturday of every month, MUFON, Minnesota. And they don't actually have all that. He's joking. Well, you turn up and you let me know. <laughs> I have a story that says Edward Snowden has claimed that aliens are trying to make contact with Earth right now. The NSA whistleblower was speaking as he continues to live in isolation in Russia, following a major leak of information regarding the way government agencies monitor and use our personal data. However, he took time this week to call into scientist Neil Tyson's StarTalk podcast. What was that? Neil Tyson's <laughs> StarTalk podcast. If I say it three times, a genie will appear. To make some incredible claims. He said... So if you have an alien civilization trying to listen for other civilizations or our civilization trying to listen for aliens, there's only one small period in the development of their society when all of their communications will be sent via the most primitive and most unprotected means. So when we think about everything that we're hearing through our satellites or everything that they're hearing from our civilization, if there are indeed aliens out there, all of their communications are encrypted by default so what we are hearing that's actually an alien television show or a phone call is indistinguishable to us from cosmic microwave background radiation i have no idea what any of that means i don't either Go what on. he's basically saying is that during a civilization there's a very small part of that civilization so let's take mankind we've been around you know for a million years sixty thousand, you know years as, as a hominid that stands upright only now, in the last 90 to 100 years, have we got telecommunications in place that aliens can pick up. So if there's an alien listening for us, out of that 2 million years, we've just got a very thin sliver now of 100 years where they can actually hear what we're sending out there. Do you see what I mean? And then that's very primitive. What we're now using is encrypted information and information that doesn't bleed into the universe. So you have a very small window of opportunity between a civilization getting to a point where they have technology that involves telecommunications. And then you've got a very small amount of time before they then encrypt that information so it doesn't bleed anywhere or go out to the universe. It's such a thin sliver. The chances of coming across any other aliens that are in the same position to us in developing from you know walking out of the ocean and getting out of the trees to then having an industrial revolution are incredibly thin. The chances of that are almost impossible. Does that make sense now? No. <laughs> See me at the end of the show. <laughs> Snowden went into hiding in Hong Kong in 2013 and was then granted asylum in Russia where he continues to live. How does every Russian joke start? By looking over your shoulder. <laughs> 
Following the leak, he was even forced to leave behind his girlfriend, Lizzie Mills. Snowden faces charges of espionage and theft of government property in the United States. He claims the US have made an example of him, saying how he has been treated as a warning to others who might speak out as I have. Do you know what Russians used to light their homes with before candles? No. Electricity. Political satire on a paranormal show. Who knew? Who knew? Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Carolina Bigfoot Group captures some creepy audio. Hearing this in the woods at night would be enough to make your skin crawl. It's not a bear going to the toilet by any chance. It might be. That would make my skin crawl. (laughs) What, a bear crapping? (laughs) What, in your house? (laughs) Did you just hear that? I think there's a bear crapping in our toilet, and it never even flushed. That was a joke on the new Muppets. That was true, yeah. It was very funny that Fozzie Bear took his uh went to his girlfriend's parents house and she's human and the dad sat at the table and he's itching to ask a question and he says what if you have kids will they be going to the toilet in the woods and the fuzzy bear says that's offensive that's racist i just thought that was very that's a terrible stereotype that's a terrible stereotype we don't go to the toilet in the woods okay Fair enough. Sorry, we, I thought it was funny. Yes, we're watching some of the most comprehensive intellectual <laughs> cerebral television there is known to man, which is indeed The Muppets. This is where we get all our information from. It's either that or ancient aliens. This is true, which are very similar in many ways. If you look at the hair of the people on ancient aliens and you look at The Muppet Show. <laughs> I'm thinking Beaker. Me, 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 me. Oh. Fabulous. Sorry. Sorry. That's twice the Muppets have been mentioned. I can only apologize. It's on our mind. There you go. Uh, During the recording, you can hear the team members say, that's not owls. This audio was captured right after a tree knock. It was getting late, and we were cooking dinner at base camp when we heard a tree knock. Two of our members went in the direction it came from to see if they could find anything. They saw some eye shine from what they assumed to be two different creatures. We do not make any claims as to what these yells came from as we didn't have a direct visual on any animal or human. (laughs) We were in a secluded area where we know there were no other people around and all other team members were accounted for at the base camp. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and all MUFON meetings from now on in. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the woods. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. All of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious Technicolor for your perusal, including all of the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And we currently have 65,000 followers on there. And we post our stories and much, much more on that particular site. Remember, we also have archives with an extra 20 to 25 minutes and a round called Not For Your Mother that couldn't possibly be broadcast live on air for fear of being removed and having a fine. So if you wish to access any of our shows from the last three years or indeed the last 20 to 25 minutes of each show, you're more than welcome to go to SoundCloud 
facebook.com and type in MQTA Radio. And just to remind you, we now have a YouTube channel. So again, if you go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on YouTube, you will find our YouTube channel. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother is still snoring from the room next door. So we mustn't wake her up and ask her any questions. <laughs> Rerunning to the round that is strange and bizarre. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? I have a spider story. It's not coming out the toilet, is it? No. Oh, thank it's God crawling on that. your shoulder. Is it really? Yeah. It's slightly worrying. <laughs> a woman leaps from a car after spotting a spider and it led to a crash. Have you heard about this? Anyone? Anyone? I no. know a guy that was in a really serious car accident because a bee came through the window and was flying around. I think he may have had a leg amputated if my memory serves I got serves stung him. by a wasp in a car. Yes. I got stung in the groin once by a bee that flew up my shorts and uh, I was crying. I was in the garden. I was like 10 years old. I went running into my mother and said, I've been stung. In the sweetmeats, in the twig and berries. And my mum said, what do you want me to do? I wasn't going to let her suck out the poison. I didn't know what she could do. There was a lot of swelling, which wasn't the end of the world. It was just quite painful. <laughs> but that is a true story. There was no anaphylactic shock, though, you'd be pleased to know. Well, that's a good thing. It is. Authorities say a northern Indiana woman jumped from her moving car after discovering a spider on her shoulder, Ooh. leading to a crash that actually injured her nine-year-old son. Oh, my word. I know. <laughs> Right? Just abandon him and leave him there. Uh, that's what happened. Uh, the sheriff's department says the boy riding in the back seat climbed into the driver's seat and tried to step on the brake, but instead hit the gas pedal, which sent the vehicle into a passing school bus. Oh, no. And then into a gas station. No. There's no. nothing to see. And then <laughs> no. into a fireworks factory. No. There's nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> the boy was taken to the IU Health Goshen in stable condition with minor head injuries and no children were on the bus and its driver wasn't injured. The department said the boy's 35-year-old mother, Angela Kipp of Syracuse, had been backing the car out of the driveway Friday afternoon when she saw a spider and then she leaped out while the car was still in reverse and she left her kid in there. <laughs> To be fair, that spider did have a switchblade and tattoos. That's terrible. <laughs> I can't believe it. She left her kid in there and just... I know. Out. Gone. I must tell you a story. My, my dear granddad, bless his heart, passed away last November, uh, the ripe old age of 93. And he was in the RAF. He was a war veteran of the Second World War. He was posted in Singapore towards the end of the Second World War. He followed the war around. Is where Whoever the war was, he went to. So he started out in Iceland, he went all the way through India, North Africa, ended up in Singapore. I don't know how this took place. My granddad likes a drink at Christmas. We have the photographs to prove it. And the more he drank at the Christmas parties, the more outrageous his war stories. Do you know people that were involved in war and conflict, they say he never talks about the war. Don't mention the war. He'll never talk about the war. Couldn't shut my granddad up. It was the most amazing thing. If you think about it, you're in the Depression in the 1930s in Britain. You've got no money. You're working class. You're eating cabbage leaves that you find on the floor of the local market. There's a war. You suddenly find yourself taken from a place that's slum terracing in East London. You've never left London. You've never been on a vacation. You've got no money. You suddenly find yourself in raffles in Singapore. 
You find yourself in North Africa where the pyramids are. You find yourself in Iceland with all the volcanoes and the geysers. You have this most amazing journey for six years of your life where you see the most amazing things that you're never ever going to see ever again. And then when the war's finished, they pick you up and put you back again. And I'm sure to this day, my granddad would have said that's the most amazing five to six years of his life. You would never have that experience again. This is why groups like the Hells Angels started. Because American pilots would come back from the Second World War. And I believe there was a squadron called the Hells Angels in the Pacific Ring. They come back from the war. They don't have that same excitement again. They don't have that same adrenaline. So I think if I'm right in saying that the Hells Angels were formed out of a group of fighter pilots that came back and just didn't have the adrenaline, just didn't have the thrill of what it was like to spend four or five years fighting in foreign places. But my granddad, you couldn't shut up. You could not shut the man up. He had so many war stories. So when you see people saying, oh, don't talk about the war, he never mentions it. We couldn't shut my granddad up. So the point is, he was in Singapore. He was hitchhiking next to some paddy fields. I don't know what my granddad was up to that he's hitchhiking on a road with some paddy fields looking to get back into the main drag, into the city. He's with his mate. A jeep comes along and stops for them. This jeep came out of a woodyard, apparently. Him and his mate jump in the back of this jeep The guy who's driving it says, I'm going to go into the town. Come with me. They get down the road. Suddenly, bearing in mind there's a war on, right? Suddenly, the driver slams on the brakes of the Jeep. It comes to a grinding halt. The man who's driving the Jeep runs for his life across the paddy field, up to his knees in water, just sprints as fast as he can. There's a war on. My granddad and his mate follow him, right? They do exactly the same thing. They're sprinting through the paddy field in water to get away from the jeep, thinking there's an ambush, there could be a minefield, there could be a a Japanese zero coming down on them, anything. They catch up with this guy a mile later and they say to him, what's the problem? What are we running for? The guy said, there's a spider in amongst the pedals. So they walk back to the jeep. My granddad said it was the biggest, ugliest, greasiest looking spider he'd ever seen in his life, all wrapped around the pedals that had obviously come out the woodyard. <laughs> now, I asked him what they did with it. They got a bit of old rag and a couple of sticks and they kind of, you know, like chopsticks, I guess, got rid of it. The point I'm making is that at the beginning of the Christmas party, six o'clock in the evening, people are starting to arrive. You've got your sausage rolls, you've got your chips, your potato chips. You're all set. My granddad's had his first whiskey, right? He tells the story. The spider's as big as his hand. He's using his hand as an example. Two hours later, four whiskeys later, granddad, how big's the spider? He's now using a dinner plate. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the spider's the size of a dinner plate. You can tell how drunk my granddad is by how big the spider's got. By the end of the evening, he's had a bottle of whiskey. He's riding it around with a saddle on it. <laughs> so you can tell how drunk my granddad is. So when, whenever we had a party as kids, we'd shout, how big was that spider, granddad? And depending <laughs> on how big the spider was, was dependent on how drunk he was, like a gauge. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's terrible. I have no idea where we're going anymore. I have a story that says police called to canal by horrified onlookers who spotted a human leg floating in the water. Police rushed to a canal in Bradford-on-Avon after shocked walkers reported seeing a human leg floating in the water. The horrified passers-by had dialed 999, insisting there's a human leg floating down the canal. Fearing the worst, officers arrived on the scene quickly, 
but after fishing out the severed limb out of the water, they were relieved to discover that it was fake. The realistic-looking prosthetic appeared to be from some sort of mannequin, but police were baffled as to where it had come from. Andrew McLaughlin from Wiltshire Police is now making inquiries and appealing for anyone who may have lost a false leg to get in touch. They're going to be hopping mad, aren't they, if they've lost that? <laughs> Perhaps they should, be, they should be looking for a man who's swimming in circles. A spokesman said, after a search in the pouring rain, the offending item was located and fished out. Fortunately, it was made of rubber, but we have no idea. I've fished out several things from canals that were made of rubber. There was no fish living in the canals around London. You had to go fishing for prophylactics. Before people realised it was fake, there was speculation someone had been murdered and dismembered or toppled off a canal boat and had been mangled up by a propeller. Thankfully, it seems just a mannequin has come to a sticky end. If anyone has been affected by the loss of a mannequin, please contact the families living with deceased mannequins hotline. I posted this on Facebook this week and I said to our listeners... There must be some jokes in here somewhere. And I said to the listeners, if you post a joke, and I think it's funny, I will read your joke out live on air on Friday evening on Dark Matter Radio, and I will credit you with that joke. So I now have a list of jokes that our listeners have sent in to me. It saves you doing all the work, doesn't it? It does. They're going to end up winning this show, you know that. And our listeners have come first with a grand total of 20 points. Julie and Kevin said together... I guess you've got to get a leg up on the competition. Diane and Brett said you haven't got a leg to stand on. Stephen Debbie said, are you pulling my leg? Andrea said, I will bite you off at the kneecaps. Stephen Tammy said, there is some fishy business afoot. Bobby said, someone is legless. Sounds like someone in Wisconsin had a fabulous idea to cut their toenails with a scythe. <laughs> so thank you, all of the listeners. If I, if I didn't read your name out, then I apologise and thank you for your contribution. But there were many, many others, but I thought that would give you a flavour of what I've been doing this week. It's a joy, isn't it? <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? We're going to go to Florida. Hooray! Florida! <laughs> Florida man, 91, accused of shooting at landscapers for getting grass on his car. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't take much in Florida, does it? Are we talking about the drugs or are we talking about the stuff that grows out of the ground? Grows out of the ground. There we go. An Avon Park senior is charged with attempted murder after allegedly threatening to kill and shooting at some landscapers who apparently sprayed grass clippings on his car. Max Horton, 91, was at his Palo Verde Drive residence when landscaper Robert Hendricks accidentally got some lawn clippings on his car. An argument between the pair turned violent when Horton allegedly pulled out a handgun, ordered Hendricks to get on his knees, and told him he was going to kill him. Another landscaper identified as Johnny Barnes moved to intervene, according to the report. That's when Horton allegedly fired a round at Hendricks before turning to face Barnes. At some point, Hendricks was able to disarm Horton, and he and Barnes subdued him until the deputies arrived. Horton was initially taken to Highlands Regional Medical Center for treatment following this dispute. He could not be taken to the Florida hospital because he allegedly made threats to hospital staff previously, (laughs) reportedly saying he had a gun in his vehicle and that they would be sorry if he went to get it. Nice man. Horton's being held without bond on an attempted first-degree murder charge at the Highlands County Jail. I wonder if he ever heard a who. What's who? Horton hears a who. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a Dr. Seuss book. Oh, American culture. I'm always left wanting, aren't I? You'll be talking about baseball next and NASCAR, no doubt. (laughs) Wow. We now turn out the light and creep into our final round, which means you have found us on SoundCloud or iTunes. So well done. I appreciate your persistence and your ingenuity in finding us. We're in the round that's called Not For Your Mother. It is exactly doing what it says on the tin. If your mother is of a nervous disposition, if she's easily offended, you need to remove her. You need to take her outside. You need to put her to bed with hot chocolate. If there are any small minors in the room, they'll probably explain these jokes to you better than I can. We move (laughs) swiftly to Heather Morris. I know. I always worry. You've got a twinkle in your eye, and I know there's a willy imminent. No, there's no willy Oh, I'm sorry. That's disappointing for everyone. If you go to Dairy Queen after the show, I'm sure you'll get one. (laughs) Uh, world's oldest prostitutes, Louis or Louise and Martine Fockins. I'm sorry. Reveal the secret of keeping men happy in bed. Uh, spell their last name for me so that we don't get taken off there. F-O-K-K-E-N-S. Fockins. Fockins. That's an O. Fockins. Fockins. <laughs> <laughs> okay don't have to say it over and over again <laughs> that's how you spell it that's how i pronounce it i can't okay. help it do you know the fuckins it's the fuckins yes they they live on the corner you must know them there's little <laughs> albert fuckins He's, they live next to the fuckers that's yes. right yeah it's see? a whole street full of fuckins i know <laughs> my granddad lived to 93 and he had sex I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm glad he had sex. To Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here. Yes, he's done it at least twice, to my knowledge. <laughs> at least my grandmother never found out. <laughs> my granddad had sex at 93, which was... Uh, How was do you know this? Because he lived at 91 and the woman was at 93. He had to walk across the street. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he used to make love to my grandmother in rhythm with the sound of the church bells every Sunday morning. It's true. He'd still be alive today if that fire engine hadn't gone by. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with you? Okay, there's a story in there willing to get out. Uh, You can see why we call this round not for your mother, can't you? Well, apparently, Louise and Martine, they have slept with more than 335,000 men between them in the career spanning for more than half a century. Wow, it's like Rock Hudson. I know. Even if they only got a dollar per time. My God. Now the world's (laughs) oldest prostitutes have revealed the secrets to keeping men happy in bed and making relationships last. A cup of tea afterwards and a sandwich. Amsterdam twins, Louise and Martine Are you sure that's not Austria? Amsterdam. (laughs) You're such a turd. Amsterdam twins Louise and Martine Fockins, both 71. Stop saying that. (laughs) Officially retired. 71? Yes, they're 70. I said the oldest twins, didn't I? Wow, that's like having old age creeping over you. Uh, you Oh, They officially retired just last year. Wow. Do you think people said, put that back on, it needs ironing? Just saying. (laughs) Um... They have more than 100 years of sex work experience between them, so we need to ask them for some tips, apparently. Oh, there goes your pelvis. Now the ladies have shared their tips for keeping a man satisfied. According to the twins, who are still regular fixtures in the city's red light district, the best way to keep your man happy is to know what they want. That's not rocket science, (laughs) is it? The best Uh, way to keep my dog happy is to know what the dog wants. (laughs) 
Be easy. Listen to what he wants. Always, Louise told Mail Online. When we started in the 1960s, criminy, I wasn't even born. Uh, <laughs> we learned the same thing from older women we worked with. You wasn't even a glint in your daddy's epididymis. I don't even think my daddy was born. <laughs> <laughs> your dad never had an epididymis at that stage. Every, That's a great word, by the way, isn't it? If you don't know what an epididymis is, you need to look it up. <laughs> Every man wants something different, and that's the real game, finding out what they want. Older women, I would suggest. Apparently. The women took up sex work in their 20s after escaping violent relationships, but continued in the trade until just last year. The sisters said the money was good and it paid their bills, but admitted it slowed down in recent years. Really? Well, I think they probably slowed really? down in recent years too, I would suggest. Well, they said it w it slowed down because of declining client base and advancing arthritis. <laughs> well, one of them had Parkinson's disease, but that wasn't the end of the world. Oh, <laughs> what? Nice. The twins are also... Um, they also share what they know about men in general, revealing it's not good when they drink and that it's normal for men to need prostitutes and sexual contact. Men are born this way in need of sex. There isn't a problem and it makes me mad when people don't have respect for what we do. Or respect for the elderly. Uh, revealing that the sisters lasted as long as they did in the business because they respected men. So in their 70s, they that's were quite a this. niche market, isn't it? To be in your 70s and twins. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, well, yeah. You're yeah. carving a very niche market right. at that point. You're going to love this one. The twins who would see men together. Told you. So look at that. There you 70s go. twins, you know, menage a trois. There you go. Wow. I'm amazed you know some French. I know. Do you right? know what that actually means? Yeah, threesome. It doesn't literally mean that. It means it means lunch for three. Well, yeah. let's see, there you go. that's what I said, wasn't it? Cold cuts. Still see some of the. They actually still see some of their clients when they visit Amsterdam's notorious sex strip. When they visit the cemetery, but it's more for coffee these days. They say, mm, not tea. No, no stiff drinks for them. Uh, Martine told the Inquisitor last year that she still sees one regular client. I couldn't give him up. He's been coming to me for so long, it's like going to church on a Sunday. Right. I wonder how Ronaldo is. <laughs> oh, why are you doing that? I love him. I, know. I can't help it. He's on my phone. <laughs> That's outrageous. Kim, what have you got for us tonight in the round? And is it any better than that? I bet there's a willy involved. Well, how about a blind, double-jointed woman? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a list of women Greg's dated. What's wrong with you? She slipped handcuffs and bit police officer on the backside. What? Hang on a second. What kind of shenanigans is taking place that she slipped she's, her handcuffs and bit a policeman on the arse? And she's blind. I know. I wonder what she thought she was biting. Okay, here we go. A blind, double-jointed woman who escaped from handcuffs. I want to meet a blind, double-jointed woman. That's my dream. I'm sure you do. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> no, that's terrible. Uh, you'll be able to find this woman in jail for nine months. <laughs> Georgina Malcolm was reportedly arrested after trouble erupted at her birthday party. 
I never get birthday parties like that. I just go for a curry or a cinema. I want a blind double jointed woman at my next birthday party. <laughs> Greg's doing actions, but I'm not going to explain them. Uh, she was placed in a police van with handcuffs, but she is double jointed and so was able to release the cuffs. The 47 year old then spat at the officers, telling them she had hepatitis C. Oh, God. <laughs> when one officer opened the van door, she hit his hands with the cuffs. You are, a- you are now blood brothers with chief hepatitis C. <laughs> Never saw that in Dances with Wolves. <laughs> That's your Indian name, by the way. Dances at table at party with trousers down. Kim can be cotton <laughs> chips twice. <laughs> when another officer tried to secure Malcolm's legs, he felt a pinch on his left buttock and found she had bitten him. <laughs> How did she find it? And all this time while they're all fighting, she's claiming she has hepatitis C. God. The officer had teeth marks requiring <laughs> hospital treatment. Both the officer she bit and the one she hit with the cuffs had to go to hospital for health checks. Two police officers taken down by a blind woman. (laughs) Defense solicitor Jerry Flynn said his client lost the plot after drinking too much at her birthday party. Blind drunk then. He Mm -hmm. said she was registered blind, having lost the sight in one eye and with the condition of the other eye deteriorating. One eye looking at you, (laughs) one eye looking for you. Even the guide dog was drunk, apparently. (laughs) Controversial. (laughs) I will finish tonight's round of Not For Your Mother. There's a story that says emotional robots slapped with sex ban and its owners will not have to sign a contract. The robot is designed to be your friend and companion, but be warned, it comes with a strict sex ban just like being married then <laughs> controversial <laughs> the impressive robot has been created by japanese company alderbaron in partnership with softbank mobile one of the largest mobile phone operators in japan and 1000 people have already forked out 1600 dollars to buy the robot plus an extra 350 dollars a month in rent i don't understand so they buy it and then they have to rent it as well i think they're renting the software that goes with the robot don't dis- you just buy the software one time? This is Japan. It's the height of capitalism. They're trying to get as much money out of you as possible. i seen the robot. It's not that cute. I don't know. <laughs> Put a wig on it. A description of the device reads, Pepper is the first humanoid robot designed to live with humans. At the risk of disappointing you, he doesn't clean, doesn't cook, and doesn't have any So it's a male robot. It's a teenager mm. by all accounts. Pepper, oh, Pepper is a social robot able to converse with you, recognize and react to your emotions, and move and live autonomously. But the company have slapped a sex ban on the robot and require any buyers to sign a contract to confirm that they will not be having sex with Pepper and create sexy apps for him or reprogram him to stalk people. Only in <laughs> Japan will they sell you a robot and then require you to sign a contract to say you're not going to soil it with acts of sexual deviance. Well... Um, Any how thoughts? would they do how that? How would they? I have no idea. There's I've people seen have... there is no orifices on that robot. It's got to be plugged in somewhere. Oh, According to reports, computer pranksters have already reprogrammed the iPad hanging around Pepper's neck to give it virtual breasts, and it moans <laughs> when you touch them. But the female developer who created the breast for the robot has claimed it was just for the purposes of testing sexual harassment. 
<laughs> yes, I had all of those magazines under my bed when I was 15 years old, all for the purposes of testing sexual harassment. Pepper can reportedly guess a person's mood from their facial expressions, their voice and body language, like having a cat in many ways. He's already being used in several shops in Japan, greeting customers and providing general assistance, so taking jobs away from the elderly. Those two uh, prostitutes in Amsterdam are no longer working in Walmart due to Pepper the robot. Facts and figures. Pepper weighs around four stones, three pounds, and is almost four feet tall. He has three omnidirectional wheels to allow him to move freely and 14 hours of battery life. That should please most women, I would suspect. A 3D camera to <laughs> perceive his surroundings. What, 14 hours? We're going to wear it away. You're going to end up with a stump and a handful of sand. Is that how it's yeah, going to be? Yeah. Wow. 14 hours is like a combination of like 10 minutes, isn't it? It's like accumulation yeah. built up over time. Yeah. Wow. I see where we are. I'm learning a lot about you tonight. Dairy Queen for you at the end of the show. <laughs> a 3D camera, three dimensional. It's like it's almost like it's coming at you, right? A 3D camera to perceive his surroundings and human activity up to three meters away. So as long as you're within a three meter range, you're good to go. Good times. <laughs> well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is our audience who managed to score four fabulous points. <laughs> I know. That's four more than Greg scored. <laughs> and in resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera, Kim and Heather are tied on a wonderful six Yay! points each. Seeing I've only got one $33,000 oh, IR wow. camera. We're going to have to have a tie-break question. So the tie-break question is, and the first person to call out will take that $33,000 IR camera home with them, is what country did my parents say I was conceived in? Austria. Amsterdam. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you don't listen to a single bloody word I say, do you? Anything? First of all, by the way, Kim's won. First of all, how's Amsterdam a country? How's that even a country? <laughs> Do you even know where that is? I don't even know where I am. <laughs> you don't even know where you are. Well, we've got no chance. I was conceived in Austria. Kim's awake. She's listening to the show. I can just tell by that little bit of accent you have. <laughs> oh, racism in the workplace. And you're going to let her win. Whatever. In fact, in a shock, last minute, <laughs> awarding of points. Kim and Heather have tied for second place and our audience has in fact won <laughs> tonight's points. So all those people that I read out earlier will be receiving a $33,000 IR camera in the post at some point during the course of this week. And they have now got the job writing the scripts for more questions than answers. That was satire. Don't actually look for one. No. And by the way, we're in Mountain Lake in Minnesota, if you are wondering. <laughs> Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of amnesia next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of where I was conceived. The strange, the bizarre, the intriguing and just plain weird. Please tell your friends and family about the story involving my granddad and the giant spider. And feel free to contact me at any time via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And to remind you, we have an extra 20 to 25 minutes when we go off of this show live in the next one minute 
called Not For Your Mother that you can find on SoundCloud if you type in MQTA Radio in the search bar. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Atong Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore and all of the International Paranormal Society in Paranormal.net and all of the show's sponsors including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.